Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Amen. Uh, We had said last night in starting that we know descriptive of Jesus' ministry, he went everywhere teaching, preaching, and what? Healing. And we see this, that it's a package deal. They all go together. And uh, thank God for the healing. uh, But teaching goes with that healing. (laughs) Amen. So we're saying this, that while you're sitting under the teaching, you're sitting under the the works of Jesus. Therefore, you can receive of the other works of Jesus. While you're sitting under the teaching, you can receive healing. Amen. Absolutely. And then while you're, if, if healing, uh, power, anointing begins to flow, you can also receive teaching, watching that, yes. receiving of that flow. Amen. So don't just say, well, I'm hooked up for one flow. It all moves together. It's a package deal. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we want to restate a few of the things that we started with last night, and then we'll endeavor to go further. We'll try. And uh, so turn with me, if you would, to Psalms chapter 8, and we'll just touch on a few things uh, from last night. We'll touch on them briefly, and then we'll go on from there. But Psalms chapter 8, and I was saying uh, last night that it was really interesting that when God began dealing with me about these services, it seemed to be part two from last year. And I've never had him to tag on, and a year later, picking up where we left off from last year. And we taught last year on dominion and authority. And so we're, we're refreshing ourselves in that and going further. So Psalms chapter 8 and verse 4, it reads, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And the Hebrew word there is Elohim. So it does not translate as angels. It translates as God. You say, well, how can we be a little lower than God? Well, it was his idea. Amen. Because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he said, let us make man in our image. So see, that was his idea. That was his plan. And so uh, we're, not, we're not being irreverent when we say that man was made a little lower than God. And has crowned man with glory and honor. Thou madest him, madest man, to have dominion. He made us to have dominion. He did not make us to be dominated. He made us to have dominion. He made us to have dominion over the works of his hands, God's hands. Thou hast put all things under our feet. Now he put them there. It's our job to keep them there. Not let them rise up and be in a place that God did not intend for them to occupy. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, so being created in God's image, we, uh, we are suited and we are equipped to dominate. Amen. And rule. Hallelujah. Um, part of our inheritance in Christ If I were to say what is part of our inheritance in Christ, people would say, well, everything that salvation contains. 
healing and peace and joy and victory. But also our inheritance contains uh, this thing called dominion. It's part of our inheritance. And so we need to be as skillful in that as we are with other flows of our inheritance. Amen. If things in your life seem to be out of place, no matter what arena of your life, if something is out of place, then I would say this, refresh yourself in the truths of your dominion and your authority. I remember, oh, maybe a couple of years ago, I said, God, I keep missing it in this one place. I keep uh, coming up to this one place and not getting past it. And you know what he said to me? He said, remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Who we are in Christ gets us past everything in the natural. Amen. Amen. Uh, for our, and, and we said this last night, and I'm not going to preach along this line, but this needs to be stated just so people can understand how their dominion can work, their authority can work unhindered. And that is, uh, for it to work unhindered, we are to be obedient to the will and plan of God for our life. We can't just decide we're going to go any direction in life we want and think that our authority and dominion is going to function and be as effective as it should be. That's right. Amen. Amen. Um, then we, let's go again to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. And this is the King James that I'll read out of. It reads, and they heard talking about Adam and Eve. After they had, um, after they had sinned. It says, and they heard the voice of the Lord God. He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. This was not the first time that God had come down. This was a way, this was a flow of their life. That the presence of God was enjoyed in that garden. Why is that? God gave them dominion. God gave them authority. Why did God come and visit and spend time so they could be in the presence of God? Is because God did not expect them to employ this dominion apart from, his, from communion with him. That part of the dominion was to encompass our fellowship with God. Amen. He didn't intend to give man rulership of the earth and just walk off. And just see, do your best. Let's see what you can do. Amen. And so God designed mankind to be in union with him. And that man would subdue. Man would replenish. Man would dominate the earth from that place of communion with God. With God's plan in mind. You know, uh, if, you, if you have dominion, then you need to know what plan am I bringing everything in order with. So by communing, they would know the plan of God. What was he, what was he doing? He was replicating heaven on earth. That's what was to happen. And uh, they would gain in that communion, they would gain the wisdom they needed to dominate. They'd know the thoughts of God, the mind of God for that. And of course, we know when Adam and Eve sinned, of course, man fell. Yeah. 
and uh, died spiritually and the light and life of God was extinguished uh, and his authority fell into the hands of the enemy and Ed used to say this in his preaching he would say Adam lost his saying and Jesus got it back <laughs> for us amen so but from the time that Adam and Eve fell uh, every man was born into sin with a sin nature separated from God no matter how they'd try to do right that sin nature would be always there keeping them from being what God made them to be but God had a plan when Adam and Eve missed it God had a plan amen and Jesus was born of a virgin without a sin nature without a sin nature amen he was the firstborn of a new race of men New race. New race. A race that would be born of the Spirit of God in the image of God. A race that would once again reign in life as kings with the power and the dominion of God. But that dominion needs the mind of God. And we'll talk about that a little bit in a, in a moment. So Jesus lived this life as the first of a new race, right? He lived it with a perfect example of how this new race was to function. He was demonstrating. He came, it's called show and tell, baby. <laughs> he showed us and he told us. Amen. He was showing us what the new man, this new race of man, the flow of it, how we were to live, what was to be produced through this life that was in now in union with God. Amen. 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 How many of you say Jesus was in dominion everywhere he went? Yes. Amen. Amen. Everywhere he went. He was sinless. He was righteous. He was, which is being right with God. And go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 reads, For he, God, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our righteousness is of him. Amen. We're not righteous because we did everything right. We're righteous because he did everything right. Therefore, when we miss it, we shouldn't say, okay, I'm done being righteous. No, you can come back into that righteousness. So when you miss it, 1 John 1, 9 belongs to you. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. So what that means, now we're righteous. Amen. So because we're righteous, we can get the same results as the righteous one got. And that's the mindset we need to carry. That's the expectation we need to put on the flow of our life. 
Amen. And the blood of Jesus made that possible. I said the blood of Jesus made it possible because the blood of Jesus puts you back as though you never missed it. It puts you back to the place as though you never missed it because it's a cleansing blood. Amen. So now we're empowered to produce the exact same results. Now, Isaiah, and I want to touch on this just briefly for anyone who wasn't here last night. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 14. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified Translation of that. Isaiah 54 and verse 14. The Amplified says, you shall establish yourself in righteousness. No, he didn't say you shall make yourself righteous. He said you establish that you are righteous. What's that mean? You build that truth into your inner consciousness. You meditate on it. You talk your righteousness. When condemnation comes, it better hear righteousness talking. Because if you don't answer condemnation with you are the righteousness of God, condemnation will try to sit on you and push you down. Sin consciousness. Looking at yourself in the flesh to see, well, I'm not this, I'm not that. Uh, We have to learn where to fix our view. And this is what we're told in Isaiah 54 verse 14. You shall establish yourself in righteousness. So we build that knowledge that we are righteous. We're right with God. It's not an earned position, it's a gift. The New Testament calls it the gift of righteousness. Amen. Now notice what happens to the one who establishes this on the inside of them. That they establish it in their way of thinking. They establish it in the way they speak. They establish it in the way they talk of themselves. When they refer to themselves, notice what will happen. It says, you shall establish yourself in righteousness, rightness in conformity with God's will and order. You shall be far from even the thought of oppression. When people have dealings with uh, mental issues so far as depression and getting down on themselves and struggling to get past the past and all these things, they have to establish in the face of that, no, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ and the blood put me there. The blood put me there. And you have to talk your righteousness when something comes and threatens And tries to get you fixed back on the natural. Amen. So you shall be far from even the thought of oppression or destruction. For you shall not fear. Who's he talking about? Someone established in righteousness. When someone is dealing with fear bombarding their life. Go back to establishing yourself who you are in Christ. And then use that authority in Christ over that fear. Amen. For you shall not fear and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Behold, they may gather together and stir up strife, but it is not from me. Meaning God's not dealing with you through these flows. 
Whoever stirs up strife against you shall fall and surrender to you. So if it's going to surrender to you, who dealt with it? You did. Because from that established, established place of I am the righteousness of God, you dealt with it and it surrenders to you instead of dominating you and pushing you around. Now look at verse 17. But no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. See, condemnation will talk to you. (laughs) Pointing back, you weren't this. You failed God this. You haven't done this. You haven't done that for God. You should be further along. You should have more faith. All these, these, you should have. But every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. How are you going to show to be in the wrong? Talk your righteousness in the face of that. This peace, righteousness, security, triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Those in whom the ideal servant of the Lord is reproduced. This is the righteousness or the vindication which they obtain from me. This is that which I impart to them as their justification, says the Lord. Man, lay your head on that at night and go to sleep really good. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we are righteous. We are righteous. We are righteous. And because we're righteous, there are certain flows that don't fit us. Because they're, they're, we are righteous, there are certain ways of thinking that don't suit us. We need to know the difference. And it's called renewing the mind with the word of God to recognize what is not proper for the flow of righteousness. Establish it. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm the righteous. I'm right with God. My insides are right with him. Amen. We are righteous. We are in right standing. Uh, But if I could say this, within that righteousness, we have to do the right thing in that position. Being in that position does not ensure success without us doing some right things. let me qualify it further. Um, We are righteous. But that position is not enough because it calls for communion. Fellowship with the one who made us righteous. So we cannot be established in this righteousness and enjoy the flow of this apart from communion with the one who made us that way. Meaning we can't go off and live our own life the way we want. Do our own thinking. Create our own plan. Amen. We're righteous because of him. That means we have to walk soundly in him. If him wouldn't do it, we wouldn't do it. If him wouldn't think it. If him wouldn't say it. That's called walking in fellowship. With the one who made us righteous. Let's go over and see further 
this point I want to make. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 and verse 16. And we're going to read through several verses here. So turn with me if you would. Mark chapter 9 and verse 16. It says, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, now Jesus had just come back from the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down and it says, and one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, that spirit tears him. And he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out. Look at this. And they could not. When he heard this man say they could not, Jesus answered that. He answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Who's he talking to, the disciples or the man? Both. Because they were ineffective. He said, bring him unto me. In verse 20, and they brought him unto Jesus. And when he saw Jesus straightway, the spirit tear him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And Jesus asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Well, how can he say he believes and has unbelief? He believes in his heart, but his head is arguing with him. You can believe something in your heart and your your head will argue. That's why you have to renew your mind so that your mind will agree with your heart instead of argue with it. So in verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit. Saying unto him, Thou dumb, the deaf and dumb, the deaf, uh, dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him. Look at this, and enter no more into him. So he didn't just say, Come out. He said, Don't come back. Verse 26 And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him. And he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when Jesus was coming to the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? So that gives you the understanding that they tried and couldn't. Or tried and didn't. Let's say it that way. They said couldn't, but... It was didn't. Verse 29, and Jesus said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. 
Uh, now, I want you to see something here. Well, hold that in mind, that last phrase that he said. And now turn with me. Hold your finger back there in Mark. But now let's go to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 1. We're going to come back to that passage in Mark 9. But Matthew 10, verse 1. It says, And when Jesus had called unto him his twelve disciples, what's this say? He gave them power. Against what? Against unclean spirits. What are they dealing with over here in this story in Mark? What are they dealing with? They're dealing with spirits. But he's already given them power. Over unclean spirits. To cast them out. So when the father came up and said they couldn't. Yes they could. They had the power. They had the power. Then they went back to Jesus later. The disciples says, why couldn't we? So they believe now they couldn't. They quit believing this. That he gave them the power. Against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. They, did they have the power or not? They had it. He never retracted that. He didn't take it back and say, okay, that was just for Saturday. Now you're back to yourself now. No, he didn't do that. So Jesus gave them the power. They were authorized. They had the dominion by his word. To cast that spirit out. And although they tried, they weren't successful in the exercise of their authority that they had. So you can have dominion, you can have authority and not be successful in the exercising of it. Now go back to Mark chapter 9. And we'll see the second part of verse 28. Mark chapter 9. In verse 28, and his disciples asked him privately, why could not we cast him out? They should have said, why didn't we? Not why couldn't we? Verse 29, and he said unto them, this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Prayer doesn't give you more authority. Prayer doesn't give you more dominion. Fasting doesn't give you more power. Fasting doesn't give you more dominion. You are raised and seated with Christ in the seat of authority. And if you don't understand this, you'll think I've got to go pray a certain amount of time to get something to work. I've got to go fast and do some kind of work of putting my body down so that dominion works. No, what he's talking about is communion. He's talking about fellowship with the Father. And that fellowship many times will show up as prayer and fasting. You're not fasting to try to earn something from God. You get so caught up with Him (laughs) that you forgot to eat. Now, I'm not saying that you can't 
choose to have times of fasting because you're saying, like Pastor Craig was saying during the offering, you're turning aside. You make choices to turn aside. But Jesus was saying, my communion with my Father has put me in a place of prayer to where I lost interest in the natural. So he's saying, you have the same authority, you have the same power. What you're lacking is the communion that the, that the, that the dominion thrives on and is fueled by. Because without communion with the Father, ain't nobody on this earth safe with power. You got power, but you don't have the mind and the heart of the Father with that power. <laughs> power is not just so you can go out and take care of vengeance issues. Well, praise the Lord. So basically, we see how vital Jesus' communion was. He faced these situations. He was righteous. He was sinless. But he knew that that's no substitute for communion with the Father. We are righteous. But that is not a substitute for communing with him and fellowship with him. Picking up the flow of his heart. Making what's important to him important to us. Taking on his way of thinking. His mind. We need to establish ourselves in righteousness. But to be established, you have to have the communion. Well, praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let me, let me flip ahead here. I, I think I want to flip ahead to a, a few points. Anybody seeing something now? Yeah, praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> go with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Let me tell you what power without a renewed mind righteousness without a renewed mind righteousness without proper communion we'll think about <laughs> I'm talking about authority dominion that, let me not say righteousness let's say dominion and authority without the renewing of the mind what approach will it take? Not, Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And this is the amplified classic translation I'm going to read. Luke 9, 51 says, Now when the time was almost come for Jesus to be received up to heaven, he steadfastly and determinedly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers before him, and they reached and entered a Samaritan village to make things ready for him. But the people would not welcome or receive or accept him because his face was set as if he was going to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, observed this, what? They're observing how the people are not treating him appropriately. They said, Lord, do you wish us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? 
Wow, that's high on the Richter scale, right? Even as Elijah did. So in their thinking, they threw themselves in the category of Elijah. We have scripture for this. We have a precedence set by the prophet of God. He called down fire. You want us to do that? Listen, you've done the same thing at some other time. We've all thought just a little back, back alley meeting for about three minutes. The use of a backhoe. I don't know if you know what that is, but. Verse 55. But Jesus turned and rebuked. Look at this. And severely censured them. He said, you do not know of what sort of spirit you are. (laughs) You're communing with something, but you don't recognize what spirit you're communing with. (laughs) Look at this. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives but to save them (laughs) so they wanted to use their dominion and authority and God's power for personal vengeance (laughs) but our dominion has parameters Jesus told him the parameters. Verse 56, the son of man did not come to destroy. God did not give you any kind of authority or dominion to hurt another man. God, heaven will not back you up in that. Amen. To hurt another person. No matter what they've done to you. Or to your boss. Because they, they did it to his boss. So. You know, we're, we're doing it for you, Jesus. We're jealous for you. You're not being treated right. We're going to handle it. So the dominion has parameters. And he says in verse 56, it's not to destroy men's lives. It's to bless them. What's our authority and dominion for? To bring blessing to our life and to bring blessing to others. And in the blessing of someone else's life, you may have to take authority over devils. Amen? You will at some point. I said you will at some point. You will at some point. Now go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. Chapter 3 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9. And this, again, is the Amplified Classic. It says, For we are fellow workmen, joint promoters. Now, if you're joint promoters, you have to be promoting the same thing. We're not out promoting our ministry. You're not out promoting something of you we're promoting the message we're promoting the the help and the blessing for people 
And that's by getting God's word in them, making it available to them. When we pray, we have the, the Ramoses in the graves that we have a, a Dean Graves and his wife and different ones. My kids will come and we'll pray before we film our Jesus the Heater, the daily programs that air on Brother Copeland's network. And we say, God, draw the hungry, draw the hurting, draw those to the message, not to my broadcast, to the message to the message. See, we're God and I promoting the same thing, not him promoting the message and me promoting the ministry. I love what Brother Joel said this morning. When are you safe for that kind of supernatural divine acceleration that there's a divine spread? You have to watch this morning. And he said, when you don't care. If it's all about you and you've got plans for your ministry, plans for you. If ambition ekes into it, leaks into it, you're not ready because, see, joint promoters. We're joint promoters. We have to be promoting the same thing. Uh, David, it talks about David. King David was a man after God's own heart. What does that mean? That what was on God's heart is what he put on his heart. That's what that means. It doesn't just mean he loved God. It means he, what was in God's, what God was doing is what he made that he was going to do. Amen. So here again in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, for we are fellow workmen, joint promoters, labors together with and for God. So if we are to labor effectively, we have to know his plan. Where does knowing the plan come from? Knowing the word. We have to renew our minds with the word. Get the word in us. Why? Because the word, the word gives us the guidelines and the boundaries for the exercise of the dominion and the authority that is ours. Because God did not just give us dominion and then leave it to us. Praise the Lord. The word of God is the blueprint of his plan and the spirit is the one who reveals that word to us makes it revelation to us the word and the spirit moving together and seeing the plan of God the mind of God for the earth and then us taking our dominion and helping as a co-labor to bring that plan to pass in the earth that's what Jesus did he was not out promoting himself He made himself of no reputation, the word said. He wasn't out trying to promote him and his ideas and what he thought about the political situation and what he thought about the economic situation. He was out promoting the message, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. God. That's what he preached. Amen. The dominion that is ours flows from God's kingdom. It's kingdom dominion. And it releases the resources of that kingdom. Amen. That we can call for things that kingdom has made ours with our dominion and authority. We can call for them to come into play. And into place in the earth and in in this last day revival. We call for those. With our dominion and our authority. And to do that, uh, it releases the resources of heaven. 
So we must follow the word that governs the kingdom and governs those resources. Amen. Our dominion conducts the power to affect change in our lives, doesn't it? It can affect, when we start walking our dominion and authority over situations, things in our life change. Devil, you used to do do this in my family. No more. No more. And you start changing things. But your dominion, our dominion, our authority will not only bless our household, it will change a nation. We sat, it changed governments. We sat next to Dad Hagen in our last conversation with him. We were having dinner. Uh, We were up in Canada, in fact. And uh, there were several ministers in the back room. And uh, Ed and I were sitting next to Dad Hagen. And he was sitting and he patted Ed on the hand. And he said, um, every generation must be evangelized and taught. And then he said, uh, what has gone on behind the Iron Curtain... That iron curtain came down, he said, because my book on the authority, uh, the believer's authority, the believer's authority got, got into the hands of the Christians and they started using their authority for their nation. Our authority will reach the highest seats of the land because those seats are lower than our seat. Amen. Any elected official... His, his authority is temporary. Very temporary. Every single one of them. Ours is eternal. Ours is eternal. God's never going to take our seat back from us. The dominion, the authority will never be dismissed from our life. It's forever joined to us. No wonder Paul told Timothy, pray for kings. And for all those that are in authority. Why? Because your, your dominion reaches there. And too many times we think that because political things, earth, the things of earth, the economic things, the social things can look so big that we feel like, well, what, what impact can I make just praying in my bedroom? Because you're using kingdom dominion kingdom authority the kingdom of heaven and it reaches the earth (laughs) amen what is that we're not established in who we are in Christ and the dominion and the authority that belongs to us as we ought to when we dismiss what our authority and dominion in Christ will do praise the Lord so when we're dealing with dominion that will affect our life It'll affect governments and nations. Uh, It will affect the eternal destiny of individuals. Where where people will spend eternity. We have a part to play in that. Now you talk about a mighty dominion and authority. So it's exercise, the exercise of that dominion and authority is not just left up to our own ideas. No. No. Amen. It's, we have to come in line with the word. Yes. Yes. Think in line with the word. So in the face of every circumstance, we need to implement the mindset. What does the word say? 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 The word say? It might have helped James and John when they were looking at... <laughs> A use of their 
calling down a power if they would have thought, what does the word say? What, does Jesus, what has he been saying? He put out this law of love, and now we're just going back to Elijah. Not just what does the word say, but you have to have the spirit to unfold things to help you know how to properly apply because the word is vast. And if you're just going to pick a favorite verse and start using your exercise, your exercising your dominion and authority, there could be a misapplication of that. This power and authority that comes from the kingdom of God needs divine help called the Holy Ghost to hear from him of how to deal in the earth, exercising our dominion and authority. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God's word's unfailing. Therefore, it is unchanging. It doesn't need to change. It's not, it doesn't need to change. <laughs> and it is unchanging. But God has bound himself and the existence of all things to his word. That includes the way our, our dominion and authority is carried out. Amen. He's bound it. So as we walk as this new man in Christ, as we order our lives based on who we are in him and following his example, following the word, following the spirit, we too can produce the same fruit that Jesus' life bore. Why? Because he was the show and tell of the new man. The one who's righteous. The one who's been given dominion and authority. Amen. Yes. Well, praise the Lord. Are you helped tonight? Yes. It belongs to you. Yes. It's not something that's earned. Yes. Amen. It's something that belongs to us. Hallelujah. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight for your word. We give you glory and honor and thanks. We magnify you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Lift up your voice. Father, we thank you that we are righteous. Right with you. And because of that, there is a dominion and authority that belongs to us. And we thank you, Father, for the light that helps us to walk in it effectively, bearing the fruit that we should bear. And we see, Father, that that effectiveness flows from our communion, our fellowship with you. We give you all thanks and glory and honor. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Just lift up your voice to him tonight. Give him thanks. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Mashtakariya da bosto kukuye. Mashtakikikiye. We glorify you. We magnify you. Hallelujah. Now see, we saw that when we read the scripture in in Genesis chapter 3. That God gave Adam dominion. He said, subdue, replenish, walk in dominion. 
and then he fellowshiped with him. We don't get anything. God's not offering us something less. He's offering us dominion with fellowship. Dominion with fellowship. That's what causes our dominion to be effective in its use and operation. Amen. We thank you, Father. We glorify you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.